Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rossi, and with me this week are two fantastic co-hosts, one of them permanently stepping in to be our, our third chair, something we've missed. We haven't had a third chair in a while, and quite frankly, we've missed it. So our editor-in-chief and overall grand high poobah of the site, Liz Harper, is filling in and becoming our third chair. Say hi, everybody, Liz. Oh, hello, everybody. Thank you for uh, hurting cats. Yeah, in addition to Liz, uh, we still have Joe, who is who is also here. Um, and is the cats in which we're hurting, I suppose. Oh, 100%. Uh, you, you've you're, spoken already, so I don't feel like we need to introduce yeah, you. No, we're good. Um, go all ahead. of you are the cats. Just, yeah. just yeah. take that for what it is. Uh, I'm quite aware. <laughs> uh, as someone pointed out the other day, so my, I think my wife asked Anna on Twitter what my writing style is. And uh, Anna's <laughs> response was that I tend to go into parenthetical asides. I remember one time I wrote a paragraph that was one sentence. Yeah, and it wasn't a short paragraph either, because I, I can do that. That is something that I can do. It's not a good idea, but it is something that I can do. But to divert away from my foibles as a writer and into like you know the actual thing we do here on the site, <laughs> since nothing has happened with Blizzard Entertainment this week, oh, yeah. nothing yeah. at all. We're going to talk about the the role playing game Earth Dawn. Now, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm completely lying. I, are you kidding me? I got I got up this morning at like 4 a.m. and within an hour I found out that J. Allen Brack had left Blizzard. I'm doing quotes here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had the earnings call today and then we found out whilst that was going on that the, the, HR, the HR director for Blizzard had left quietly at some point in the past. Shock. Yeah. They didn't even tell us that this had happened. Uh, I think yesterday or two days ago we found out that Blizzard had not told their stockholders they were being investigated. And um, today, yeah. just today, uh, they actually the shareholders filed a lawsuit over that. They'd been really unhappy important. in investigating it, and today they filed a lawsuit. And and also there was a Hearthstone expansion. <laughs> Yeah. Which which is like, I felt like ordinarily we'd be going with the Hearthstone. You know, hey, a Hearthstone expansion dropped today. Not, oh yes, everything's on fire. And hey, a Hearthstone expansion. I mean, I guess so. That's the question. Do we want to start with the heavy star stuff, or do we want to start with, hey, here's Hearthstone, and then go on to the heavy stuff? I, I before we do anything else, I also want to mention another thing that happened today was Wyatt Chang talked about Diablo Immortal some more mm-hmm. uh, about changes they're making and work they're doing to make. We, you know, it better. It's not going to come out as fast as we they had hoped, but they're hiring more people and they're going to keep working on it. I feel like poor Wyatt Chang had like the just wow. You have to go out there and make that announcement and it, like you know, it's like okay, <laughs> I'm on a boat that is literally on fire. But but while we're here, would you like to come work for us? That's, yeah, that's wow. Yeah. Okay, but anyway, yeah, I'm going to say let's talk about the Hearthstone expansion first, so we can throw it over to Liz and I can get a drink of water. <laughs> Uh, Liz, Hearthstone expansion, what can you tell us about it? Um, well, it's called United in Stormwind, and I think this has been a really interesting year for Hearthstone because they're they're kind of doing this thing where they have a sort of ongoing story arc, which they've done in the past and I've really enjoyed. But it's like, first we had um, Forged in the Barrens was the first expansion this year, and it's all about the Horde, and in Warcraft... I'm going off topic, but in Warcraft, we've kind of gotten used to the Horde as the bad guys. And, you know, you've got Sylvanas doing terrible things. And before Sylvanas, you had Garrosh doing terrible things. And you've kind of gone down this hole of terrible things. Um, but Forged in the Barrens, playing through some of the adventures there, really got me thinking about kind of the joy of the Horde and 
you know, they had stories about you're a young adventurer going out in the barrens for the first time, meeting friends, taking down enemies. And it was just like this really joyous take on what the game is, like what World of Warcraft is. And it had a bunch of stuff, like a lot of feelings that I'd like forgotten I had about Warcraft because it was just this kind of, it was it was like that pure joy of logging on and going to the barrens and then gonna kill 20 zebras to get 10 horns and things like that. But it was fun and I'd forgotten that it could be fun. And so yeah, I, I remember playing when I played back in the day. Mm-hmm. One, my one of my first characters was a was a Tauren warrior. Uh, I remember back when I first applied to the site that we don't work at anymore. I had written a post about that kind of thing, like that. I, the, the two characters that I played a lot. I just remember like going to the Barrens. People don't realize how big the Barrens was. Massive, mm. especially when you didn't have a mount. Huge. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was big. It was like you spent a lot of levels in the Barrens. I think you got there around level ten, and you didn't leave yeah. to close to twenty. And, and which back you, then, yeah, it was just huge. Wasn't there an Alliance patrol that walked up and down part of the road? Yes, yes. yeah, yes, there they was. would kill you so fast. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you'd be just minding your own business. I discovered them by the time the time honored tradition of butt pulling them while I was doing something else. <laughs> well, and then I mean, the, it was ah, just the counterbalance of the. The counterbalance to the Horde Riders in, uh, what was it, Feralis? No, the, the one that I think it was a counterbalance to was the Son of Arugal. But wait, he killed Horde too, so I don't know. Yeah, but, I don't know. Yeah, so, like, you were talking about Forge of the Barons, but isn't the current one Stormwind related? Yes, so the first one they did this year was Forged in the Barons, and the current one is called United in Stormwind. And I, I have not gotten to play with it much yet, but it just has so many, like, wacky characters and just like really silly character art like there's um one of the cards is a mailbox dancer which is a guy standing on top of a mailbox dancing obviously wearing like comical burning crusade era armor and it just has all of these ridiculous funny things there's this uh card i was pointing out to joe which is a shaman card called oh it's tiny something it's a guy uh, you know, just looking real focused on painting these little miniatures. It's me. It's 100% it, me. Yeah, basically. That's why I linked it to you. And it's just, he's focused on painting all these little miniatures in a room full of like tiny different toys. Warcraft characters that are kind of like tiny toys. Yeah. And there's a real joy to it in this bright, colorful art, in this bright, colorful world that isn't the Warcraft of today. It's the Warcraft you remember from like 10 or 15 years ago where you were just getting started and you were having adventures with your friends. And it's just that joy is kind of suffused into Hearthstone this year. It's a shame that that joy can't be suffused anywhere else. Yeah. But I mean, I'm happy to hear hear, hear that though. Like, I'm happy that there's like, they're trying to be happy about things and, and bring some form of joy and happiness. Like, that's a rarity. I mean, Hearthstone has always been a little more comical than WoW. I mean, they have this space to be comical, but sometimes it can get real gloomy. Like when they added Demon Hunters, you had this whole kind of Illidan-themed expansion. And I really, like, there was a single-player adventure that was all about Illidan. And I actually, I really enjoyed that. And I thought uh, Liam O'Brien did, of course, Illidan, and he did some amazing voice acting which he always does amazing voice acting, but that's beside the point. But it was like, it's Illidan's story. And it was it was interesting because it was Illidan's story told from the perspective of an outsider looking in 
and like a young demon hunter kind of learning alongside him. So it was interesting to see that this other side, but it was, it's Illidan's story and that's not a fun, happy story. Um, and so I really think when Hearthstone does Hearthstone and doesn't try to do strict Warcraft narratives, it's a lot more fun because like the canon Warcraft and Hearthstone diverges from the canon Warcraft and World of Warcraft in some really specific ways. Like, right now, the story is set in kind of vanilla era, except you have the Burning Crusade races there. And there are, like, all of these little differences that the developers have, like, specifically spelled out, which is kind of interesting that they've taken the time. Like, this isn't just wacky, we're throwing whoever we want in here. It's like, this is Warcraft but we made these little differences. So we're kind of vanilla era, but we've got Blood Elves and Garrosh is here. I kind of have to have Garrosh because he's one of their four heroes in the game. Uh, and it's just been really interesting and really fun. I think Hearthstone is having a really good year. Okay. Now that we've talked about somebody having a good year. <laughs> uh, here we go into we the not kind of so switch, good. Switch, switch over. Joe, you wanted to talk about the investor thing. So I'm going to just unleash you now because I am still thirsty. Yeah, so in case you didn't know, in the news today, it was brought out, or might have been yesterday, I don't know, time is weird and, and kind of runs together. The investors for Acta Blizzard are leveling a lawsuit against uh, a few folks, uh, not just Activision, but Bobby Kotick specifically being named, as well as a few other C-level executives, uh, for breaking Sarbanes-Oxley violation, or basically causing violations uh Hiding things from the investors and the board, not just being full disclosing during the uh, there's basically a process. I'm sorry. I've been trying to collect my thoughts on this. There's a process in which you if you're a publicly traded company, you have to present everything, including potential problems that you have uh, to your board of directors and then thus the investors. It's basically a reveal thing when you don't do that. Um, you are, you can be viewed as purposely not showing problems to inflate your stock prices. The problem with that is that is a violation of the Sar Sarbanes-Oxley uh, Act or the Sox Act uh, from 2004, give or take. Um, and if you are in violation of that, some very, very bad things can happen. The trick here is what I find interesting is that it's specifically naming three C-level executives uh, beyond... It's Bobby Kotick, and I can't remember the other two. But why that's important. One, it is another lawsuit, obviously, that is going to be levied against Activision Blizzard that has to be dealt with in some capacity. But if there is any merit to it, so if they try to settle it, if they try to do anything to it that admits culpability, now they are opening themselves up to federal investigation because it is a federal law. <laughs> um, and on top of that, the individuals that are named specifically are being held accountable, which means it's not just the company getting sued. It means that those individuals will be held accountable for those violations, which uh, last I checked are incredibly massive fines uh, in the several millions of dollars. Uh, as well as, I believe, the minimum jail time, if you are issued jail time, is five years. Um, so this is bad for everybody involved in that case, because if they are shown to not have disclosed fully and possibly been uh, fraudulently essentially keeping things away so that they could inflate their stock prices, um, yeah, that's probably going to be worse than something that Bobby Kotick actually cares about. And I don't want to say this like, you know, it's worse than how they treated their people, but like 
this is something they're going to care about because it's money and it's their freedom that is going to be on the chopping block because they done messed up. And I'm very interested to see how that particular one goes, because depending on how the first set of lawsuits go, um, especially with some certain comments that I'm sure we're going to talk about here in a little bit uh, from certain uh, chief communication officers uh, that tie into this as well. Like this is going to get really dirty and really messy very, very quickly. And I think we're starting to see the first pressure points of that starting to hit today um i mean i don't would you guys want to say anything about any of that well I, I don't know exactly what you mean by the pressure points hitting today so i'll just talk about what i think you might be talking about they're which starting is, to offer up sacrificial out. lambs basically is what i'm talking about you, what sacrificial lambs oh okay basically we'll just talk about this uh jalen brack who has been president of of blizzard entertainment for three years he started in 2019 no 2018 i think um I wrote this today, but it's been a 2018, day. three years. Yeah. So uh, he resigned or left or what have you today. Uh, he's being replaced by by two people. Uh, one is Jen O'Neill, who was, you know, the, the director of Vicarious Visions when it merged into Blizzard Activision. She became a senior VP, and now she's going to be one of the two co-presidents. No, no. Because that's no, no. always great. Not mm-hmm. co-president, co-leader. That's the official co-leader. title is co-leader. Uh, this is important. Yeah, which is... Yeah. That's not a title. That's not yeah. a real title. But the point is that they're going to have two people in charge. And if you've ever been in an organization with two people exactly equal in charge at the top, that's so great. It's wonderful because they never get across purposes. But the, the other person is uh, Mike Ybarra. Mike Ybarra came over in 2019 uh, from Xbox. They mm-hmm. Blizzard snapped him up. He's got a 20-plus-year year career working for Microsoft and other companies. He, he's certainly not a newcomer to the you know video game industry. Uh, neither is Jen O'Neill, although she's newer to Blizzard. She came in literally uh, January of this year. Uh, so she's been working there for like six, I guess eight months at this point since it's August, and he's been working there for a couple of years. Clearly, part of the reason they've been selected is that they have long-standing industry ties. Um, Jen O'Neill worked as for Activision for years, uh, Yabara has not, but he knows tons of people. Um, that's obviously part of it. Um, they had, they do have experience, and no one's saying they don't. They're both new to Blizzard, so uh, even though we know that this is an industry-wide problem, these two are can plausibly say, "Well, look, I just got here." If anyone brings up yeah. any any of the issues that the lawsuit has brought up, they can be like, "You know, that's fair, but I wasn't. You know, I'm new." So they they're that's that's a sign that the the people at Activision are attempting to, you know, try to cleanse the palate. Obviously, the investors are not happy because, I mean, they're suing Activision Blizzard, so clearly they're not happy. Jalen Brack, now, I do believe he, he has some responsibility for what happened at Blizzard. Uh, for one thing, he has been working there since 2005. Mm-hmm. He has been in charge of World of Warcraft in one form or another. He was production director in 2008. Well, he was he directly was executive boss at one point, wasn't he? Uh, I don't think so, but give me a sec here. He was, like I said, he was he was production director in 2008. Uh, he became executive VP and, you know, in, in charge of production in 2014, the year after the 2013 incident that we'll be talking about. Um, so, and he became president of All Blizzard in 2018. So he has been at or near the top this whole time. Uh, I do think that it's it's kind of nebulous to say he's Afrosiabi's boss, because I don't know what kind of structure they have. I, I straight That's up fair. can't tell That's you. Fair. I can't tell you who reports to who. 
who's in charge of what, um, if they're first among equals, that there's just no way for me to tell you. I do know that Alex Afrasabi obviously kept coming back. He was even brought back at one point. Um, he, he obviously had a lot of people who thought he was good or he wouldn't have kept coming back. Um, I don't know anything about the relationship there or anybody else. Um, I don't even know. I can't remember the name of the HR guy who left recently as well. Jesse, I can't remember his last name. I can look it up. but Yeah. But the point being, are they responsible for what happened? Yes. Are they guilty? That we can't say. It certainly seems that you, you can certainly be responsible for something without being guilty of it. Because if you are the president of the company, you are responsible for the company. That is just how it works. That is why we have executives. Um, that and so they can enrich themselves. But, you know, we're talking about you. Uh, in, in this case, I, I do feel like it was he was going to be gone. Mm-hmm. One way or the another. The moment this lawsuit came out, he was going to be phased out. There was no way he was going to be staying there. This is still incredibly sudden. And it is absolutely true that you can you can look at this and say it's good that a woman will be you know near the top of Blizzard Entertainment, while it's... at the same time saying it's not good that Bobby Kotick gets to put people in and now basically report directly to him and are you know he is now even more in charge of Blizzard than he was. Yeah, I you can, to, the, I these things can that. be true. These things can be true at the same time. Yeah. Uh, you can say that Francis Townsend absolutely has butchered the communications of this whole thing Mm -hmm. should never have been near them. Uh, And yet she is not in any way, shape or form responsible for what's happening at Blizzard. She was not there. I think she just came to Activision this year. Yeah. Um, So it hasn't been there very long at all. Yeah. You can't, you can say simultaneously, she shouldn't have been in charge of messaging. And yet she is not actually responsible for any of this trying to, you know, people saying that she should be fired. Maybe she should be, but not for this. You know, it's specifically not for this. these things happening. You cannot put them on Frances Townsend. Her response to them is atrocious, but that's not the same thing. There's a lot going on here, and it is very easy to, to try and slot it all into black and white. I don't know yeah. how, how responsible or how guilty any of the people involved in here are. I do think that, you know, what we've seen is bad enough that there was no way Brack was going to be staying on. I agree. Just, even though it's very fair to say that this stuff was going on well before he became president, and other people who have since left kind of need to talk about what they knew and what they saw. But yeah, as much as I, you know, I don't feel like this firing solves anything. No, it uh, it doesn't, and that's and that's I kind of the really point. don't think that one of the reasons I really don't think that is because, as many people have pointed out, the the the, the Activision Blizzard workers had four demands and none of them were addressed. No, none of them. Is, and, is that the thing you were writing about? I'm pretty sure that was, I wasn't, I wasn't in, in work chat when you started talking about it. Um, yeah, I mean, none of them were addressed and they've also, I mean, one of the things was, um, I'm looking at it right now, was talking about bringing in an outside audit to make sure their practices were good and fair to everyone. And so Activision Blizzard has brought in an outside firm to review their policies and how they're implemented, but it's an outside firm that has existing con- existing ties to Activision Blizzard executives mm-hmm. and also has a pretty long history of union busting and being pro-corporation, anti-employee, 
Most recently, they've helped Amazon and Uber stop unionization efforts for better employee working conditions. Um, so this is not an agency that's impartial. It's not uh, an agency that is necessarily going to have the employee's best interests at heart. But uh, Bobby Kotick, in his original letter, said, we're hiring this firm to do this audit of our policies, and they're already working on it. And uh, in the earnings call today, they kind of reiterated that. We've got this, you know, they were really like, okay, all of this is taken care of. We're taking all of these great steps. We're having an external auditor. But it's like this external, it's not a, the external auditor they have is not a neutral third party. Yeah, I think I called that it's, out last week when Liz Pat pointed that out to us in chat. Like, yeah. it's like, follow the money and follow the connections. There's going to be one. It's not going to be fair. Uh, yeah, so... After the earnings call, I don't know if they were specifically waiting until after the earnings call, but it was after the earnings call that we really started seeing a flood of Activision Blizzard employees on Twitter, specifically tweeting with a specific hashtag and a specific message that they don't approve of this firm doing the review. But it's it's already in progress, and uh, who knows what they'll come up with. I mean, one of the things this is... The firm is called, I had this in front of me like a second ago, and now it, Wilmer Hale. Yep. It's a law firm. And, um, you know, one of the things on their website that they say they do it's, we is that they advise companies on union awareness and avoidance. Uh-huh. Like, they're specific about what they do, and what they do is protect corporations from employee demands. Can, and so that's, can I that's take not who you want to have in your corner. Can I take a second it. to point out, this has been coming up in general chat and on Discord a lot with mm -hmm. a lot of our listeners, and I want to take a moment to call this out. This is one of the reasons why they are being very, very careful, the employees, on the verbiage that they are applying to themselves whenever they talk yes. about themselves as a collective group. And they are being very smart about it, and they are learning the lessons that, unfortunately, people at Amazon... And people at Uber didn't get a chance to learn. So when you see them and you're making comments, why aren't they calling themselves union? Why aren't they calling for unionization? This is why. Because what will wind up happening, at least in my experience with companies of the past, is when a third, quote unquote, third party impartial audit is taking place from somebody who has ties to executives during the middle of a scandal that involves people not being treated right, who want to be treated right and have demands thus... Uh, is that all of a sudden those performance reviews and those reviews of those people's interactions starts getting a lot more scrutiny, especially if they start talking about unionizing or anything like that. And there, that's why you, if you don't needle them when they're not using those specific words, there is a reason for it. And they are being very smart about it. Um, because that is what's going to happen for the next, I'd say probably four months, six months that the review is going to happen. And then you're going to start seeing them try to weed people out. That's my cynical Joe in corporate America type thing going on there. So it's a dangerous time. No, I think I think that's very corporate America. And I mean, we've seen with big companies fighting unionization and worker rights, we've seen that they're interested in their bottom line and they're not interested in protecting workers because yeah, you, that might that might cost them. It might cost their shareholders a penny. Well, I mean, you know, you, you also I think we were saying it last week before the Brack thing even happened. Mm -hmm. We're saying that Bobby Kotick only made a statement when the stock prices dropped. Yeah. You know, and can I prove there's a correlation there? No, I can't prove it. But it is true that 
the stock prices dropped, and then there was an announcement from Bobby Kotick. He, we had like five days where he didn't say anything. Um, and seeing Brack go today, the day of the investment call, at like 5 a.m. California that a, time. That was a really weirdly timed announcement. Yeah, that's that's like, I don't know if they thought they were going to bury it by doing that. I mean, like, I don't, if you want to bury something, do it on Friday afternoon. Don't do it on Monday morning. Well, that's like, I, they, the, Trump, the Trump administration knew that one. Come on. <laughs> uh, and they but, also announced these new co-leads on the earnings call. So it's not yeah. like it's invisible that suddenly this guy is gone. Well, no, they, they announced the co-leads even in the announcement of Brax leaving. They, they had him make a statement. I have no idea. Like, I don't know what went on there. I, I wasn't there. I have no idea. But I know that he, in his his farewell statement, he basically says, you know, these two people are going to be in charge and they're going to be great. Uh, and yeah, it, it's just. One of the interesting things that was in the earnings call, or at least in the press release about the earnings call, was um, a little statement kind of about this. They did go on a bunch about how great their diversity commitment is and how great they're doing with all of this. But they did have a really short statement tucked in there. And I'm going to read it because we are taking actions to address the concerns of employees and other key stakeholders and the adverse consequences to our business, referring to the lawsuit. If we experience prolonged periods of adverse publicity, significantly reduced productivity or other negative consequences relating to this matter, our businesses, our business likely would be adversely impacted. We are carefully monitoring all aspects of our business for any such impacts, which I think at least expresses that they are aware that even their kind of monolithic corporation can't necessarily go unaffected by the impact of constant negative PR. Well, not only that, I mean, if it, beyond just the product, I mean, if you have that much negative PR for that sustained period of time, you now start reducing the amount of people willing to work for you. Yeah. <laughs> because well, like, plus the people who are working there are undergoing massive amounts uh -huh. of stress. Yep. And that absolutely yeah. destroys productivity. Yeah. yeah especially, and it also destroys it even more when the people are having walkouts. It, um, if, you've, if you've messed up to the point where people just walk out, yeah, you, you, that, that's going to kill your productivity too, guys. And I feel like we should we should loop back on the the things that people uh, uh, the employees of Blizzard are actually asking for since they yes, keep that was that was it. Yeah, the the thing Liz had said about that you know we were addressing employee concerns, but the employees gave you a list of four concerns and you didn't address any of them. Yeah, which was I believe what it was at Liz. It was a, a change to the hiring and promotion okay. policies, right? Uh. Well, let me start at the beginning because I have the list in front of me. They want an end to mandatory arbitration clauses, which are something that basically says if something goes wrong, you can't go to a lawyer and have them fix it. You have to stay. You have to arbitrate it with us, which always protects the company. It protects abusers. It prevents people from going public. Um, you mean the company court? Want... The company court would have the company's well, interest yeah. in mind. Hmm, go figure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they also want more inclusive recruiting, interviewing, hiring, and promotion policies to make sure that women and other minorities get promoted in there and don't just keep being uh, pushed down in favor of male employees. Uh, they want publication of data on compensation, which by publishing that data, women know if they're making less than men, minorities know if they're making less. Uh, and if you don't know that, you can't protest against it. You can't push against it when you don't have that information. 
like one of the things we were talking about today. So we now have two co-leads of Blizzard Entertainment. One's a woman, one's a man. What do you think both of them are earning? Do you think it's the same amount or no? We don't know. And no one else knows except for them. And to empower a company-wide diversity, equity, and inclusion task force, which would hire a third-party auditor to review reporting structure, HR, and executive staff to identify how, you know, where are the points of failure? How can we fix this, basically? So Bobby Kotick kind of did go in with the third-party auditor to review all of their policies, except it's not a neutral third-party this is a third party that has the company's interest at heart, not the worker's interest at heart. And through all of this, they haven't even acknowledged that employees made these points. They haven't acknowledged the points and discussed them. They've just said, this is what we're doing and pretended they don't exist. Yeah. And like, and I, I made a statement on Twitter that I think is pretty apt in the coming weeks, right? It's uh, th- trying to think of how to phrase this. You're going to see a lot of, of smoke and mirrors you're going to get a lot of very pretty words you're going to get a lot of uh things that sound really good on paper as long as you don't look too hard at it but it's going to do its best to not actually address any of these points and that's really sad like but it is the harsh reality but watch watch what happens the the things like the bobby Kodak statement um you're going to hear more of that you're going to hear more that doesn't actually directly answer any of these requests because that's what happens. And it's it's frustrating. I can't imagine p- how people going through this right now are feeling about it, but I know how frustrated I am hearing about it. Um, at this point, uh, I don't... There's, there's so much we could talk about. We could easily do another entire podcast talking about this stuff. I do think, though, we got some emails about it, so I'd like to actually move on and, and let us look at those emails and let, you know, see what you guys are telling us that you think about it. So, and then there was one email that was a normal, you know, regular email, like from the before times, uh, we might get to that one or not. We'll, we'll find out. But, uh, if you have a question for the podcast, uh, obviously you can use our discord server. We have the, the patron Q and podcast questions channel, which we look at first because that's a patron benefit and like to do that. Uh, the second channel is the Q questions channel, which we also look in, but not as often. Um, and you can email us. The email address is podcast at blizzardwatch.com. You put the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for the show. We got three shows now, guys. Uh, and by the way, saw that Tavern Watch email. I forwarded it. Pretty sure I did. You did. That's what I was so, referring to before. But yeah, uh, so what we usually do here is have Joe read them. But since Liz joined up, I wanted to have Liz read them too, uh, because I'm the blind one we'll see. Uh, so Liz, do you mind reading the first email? Uh, I can do that. Uh, is this the one from Snuggle? Up. Is this yep. the one from Snuggle Kitten? Snuggle Kitten. There's no end. I always Suggle, see the okay. end too. Yeah. I always see I, the end too, but it's not there. I apologize, Suggle Kitten. I yeah, I looked at that and my brain added an N. Um, okay. From Suggle Kitten. Well, hello there. I wanted to chime in on the hot topic this week. The underlying root of the problem is a lack of resources for the employee. I'll explain. In my day job during a review, I was told the managers who stay with us average forty seven hours or more a week. That's not an order, but a very loaded statement. The same head of HR 
likes to throw out negative jokes and laugh. For example, this was said to a black man, once pot is legal, we won't have to go to your neighborhood anymore. I called the New York Department of Labor and they said to talk to the to HR or a lawyer. One, the guy is head of HR. Two, I can't afford a $200 an hour lawyer. We need a reporting system and maybe a threshold to investigate to weed out the one cranky worker. I think that to a degree, this is one of the reasons that they have the mandatory arbitration demand. That they want to get rid of that because it, str- it straps you into having to deal with HR, having to deal with, you know, possibly the very people that you're having problems with are the people in charge of determining what the problem is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm not dis- I'm not disagreeing with you that they need the employees need more resources. Absolutely, they do. But I feel it's a, it's a more top-down problem. Uh, we've been talking this whole time about how Activision, and Joe made the point that Activision Blizzard is going to be doing all it can to not actually address the workers' concerns. Uh, how the the law the, the law firm that they've hired has a long history that they admit to of union avoidance. Uh, it, this is a very adversarial thing that is all about protecting the corporation and not about securing the uh, the uh, welfare of their workers. And when you're in that situation, that is the thing that has to be done dealt with first. That is the thing that has to be addressed. It has to be about the welfare of the workers. Um, I, I don't know how to make that happen. Uh, if I did, the world would be very different. But I do know that it is not... There's not going to be any kind of band-aid solution here. You can't just fix it by tinkering with some stuff. This this is a much bigger and more systemic problem across the entire industry, and it needs industry-wide solutions. Uh, unions aren't going to fix it. I'll just be all right up front. If, if every game development co- company got a union tomorrow, it's not going to magically fix it. That is not how this works, not how any of this works. This is going to be a process, and it's one that needs to be started, but it doesn't mean that tomorrow, oh, it's all fine again, you can like what games you want. No, it's, it, it's not how any of this works. And it's not just the game industry either. I was talking about this in work chat a little bit earlier today, um, and Suggle Kitten is, is, I think, feeling some of this right now, because... I'll be honest. When I read this email, I felt it in my very bones because uh, I've been I've been there. Um, the tech industry in general, games, not games, doesn't matter, has a nasty tendency of just chewing up its people and viewing them as like light bulbs to be disposed of and changed when one burns out. And so, like when they say a lack of resources for the employee, and you talk about a systemic issue, yeah. It's it's definitely there. Anybody who's worked in tech for any length of time has definitely seen it. Um, veiled comments, maybe not so veiled comments, with no recourse, can't go to some people not feeling that they can go to HR, um, uh, or sometimes the head of HR or the HR person being a terrible offender of all that, um, and then not being able to afford going to a lawyer to do anything about it and feeling stuck. Um, it's it's a real problem. It is a systemic issue. Uh, that needs to be addressed at all levels, and unfortunately, Matt's right. A union isn't going to fix it. I don't know what is. Um, yeah, a, a union is certainly a good, positive first yeah. step because yeah. it gives you collective power. Right. Um, it's one of the things that the reason that unions aren't liked, the reason that you know pay isn't re- revealed, is because they don't want their workers to come together. That one one worker by themselves is a cog to be replaced at will. You you can do almost anything you want. The entire workforce is not a cog. If everybody who works for you decides that they have a problem, now you have a problem. 
And that's the other thing with these mandatory arbitration clauses. This keeps it like a one-on-one discussion with the company. Whenever you have a complaint, it's you and the company. It's not like a hundred people or a thousand people going up to the company and saying, this is a problem. It's just you. You are isolated. You are alone. You have no bargaining power when you're going up against a multi-billion dollar a year company. And you're just you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the division is a, is a hard part of it as well, especially. Yeah, so when, I'm sorry, we could talk about this so much more, but I I, I kind of yeah. want to move on to another question, please. I just all I'm going to say is that so you, I don't disagree with the the preface of your statement, but I do think it is more complicated than that. It isn't very so, much so. Since you you wanted to move on, you can read the next email. Sure. Uh, hello, watchers. I. I'm not going to scream here. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, are they serious? How can you not see that kind of crap happening? Okay, now that's out of my system. Hello, blood pressure watchers. Well, there seems to be only one topic of late, but the question is, what do we as the player base do about it? A mass exodus will put a lot of the same people who were harmed out of a job. How do we send a message that management blows without stiffing the staff? And that's from Easy Target. Well, one way is to amplify the voices of the people who are actually working there. Um, when when there are Twitter hashtags and forum posts and so forth, you can amplify their voices. You can say, I stand in solidarity. That's one thing. Uh, you can also, I mean, to a certain degree, it is one of those things where you're going to have to make up your own decision on what you can feel comfortable supporting. If, if you feel like you can't give money to Activision, uh, that's a valid feeling. I, I don't, I'm not doing that for a lot of reasons. Um, first up, I, I am subscribed to World of Warcraft till late 2023. Yeah, same. I can't, I mean, I, I, if I cancel my account, it cancels in 2023. Uh, they, they don't, they got the money already. Uh, it, it's, it's all happened. Um, so I'm in a position of, of, you know, you can, one of the big metrics that Activision Blizzard likes to track is engagement. Uh, it isn't just a matter of you got the sub money. It's not even just a matter of you bought a mount. It's how often do they log on? How long do they stay for? How engaged are they? Will they come back for this? What will this do? Things like in-game protests aren't going to fix the problem. You know, they don't. They're not the magic bullet that will make you know Activision Blizzard go, oh well, you know, a few hundred people went to Stormwind and were unhappy. That that we're definitely going to have to fix things. But they do help you have to basically campaign to keep the pressure on. Mm. You have to not let yourself be distracted. Uh, Things like the resignation of a very prominent employee cannot distract you from the overall situation. The focus has to be kept on things like the employee demands that have not been met. The, uh, the, the, the moves that have not, that are, that are aimed not at supporting and and aiding the well-being of their workers, that kind of thing. Um, But in terms of like, I, I mean, if it was a simple thing to do, I, I we, we would have have a post already about here's how you can fix this. I mean, we, you know, there's a lot. Uh, Liz, what, you know, what would you suggest? Well, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and one of the things I was thinking about just yesterday, I logged on to World of Warcraft because it was uh, raid night, and the thing is, I haven't logged on to World of Warcraft since last week mm-hmm. because. Um, Our guilt we skipped break. raid because yeah. of yeah we skipped raid because of the protest and I'd logged on in the morning to do there was like a mass log on and log out when the uh, Activision Blizzard walkout started and so I did that and I just I never logged back on 
because I would like think, oh, I'll log on, I'll check the vault, I'll do my dailies. And, you know, I just think about that and I would just feel like all of those other things would get in my head and I just felt tired and I didn't log on. Uh, but last night I logged on and, you know, I played with my friends for a while and I really enjoyed that. I mean, that's what World of Warcraft in particular is about for me. It's not necessarily the game. And even when the game is not as great as it could be, it's going and hanging out with my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're kind of, you're kind of a community and this is where you happen to be doing your community activities. And I think you can find there's a joy in that even with all of this happening. So about how can you make this, how can you make this better? You know, if you're still participating in that kind of community, I think it's important to do something to continue to support the employees. So I don't necessarily feel that canceling your subscription or walking away is necessarily the right decision. It's also not the wrong decision. That's a personal thing. You've got to decide whether you're comfortable or not doing that. But if you want to keep playing, if you want to keep giving the money, I mean, you're, what you should be thinking about is the employees because there are tons of developers there who are really passionate, who don't deserve the working conditions they're in, and who are worth supporting and worth anything you can do to help them. Um, and so something else I've been, I've been thinking a lot about what Blizzard Watch can do here and what we should do here. And I think the biggest, the thing that I've come up with that I've started figuring out how to articulate is that we need to keep talking about this. Mm -hmm. We need to keep talking about this and not shut up. Uh, When there's a problem, we talk about it. We bring it up. We remind the community this is a problem. We remind the community that this is still a problem. And we just, we can't shut up until people start listening and changing. And I think keeping that awareness, keeping that in the public eye, reminding people that these things are wrong, they're unacceptable, and you just stout until someone stops and listens. You keep the pressure on, you keep the bad PR on for Activision Blizzard, which they even, like I said, they mentioned that in their earnings call press release that, okay, if the bad PR continues, that may be a problem. So I think that's, for me, this may not be the best thing for you, but for me, I feel like, the biggest contribution I can make, the best way I can help create change when I'm, you know, I'm not an executive at Activision Blizzard. I don't have direct control over any of these things, but I can talk about this and not shut up. Yeah, Joe, I um, my thoughts on this. There's to, to add a little levity. There's an old Internet meme. I think it's old at this point. I don't know. Again, time is sort of just blending together here, folks. There's this meme of the kid with the tuba following uh, another kid around and basically just being loud and annoying. That's what we got to do at this point, in my opinion. Um, We talk a lot about using platforms for good and using the strength of our community to our advantage. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say the quiet part out loud. Um, Something that really struck me when all this started happening is we started having conversations uh, about you know, the Whisper network and, and how people would, would transfer knowledge of who were predators or, or who were problematic. And I'm saying maybe it's time to say the hell with that and start blasting those names out loud when something happens. Accountability happens with awareness first. And I'll use my part 
my voice to amplify those that need to be heard. I'll use my voice to keep ringing out when stuff needs to get called out. And this is something I'm not going to let go. We are a community. And like Matt said it before, and I'll say it again, and people in the chat are saying it. It's, it's, we need to let them know that we don't want them, that we want our community to be better. We want the company that, you know, a lot of us have built our identity around to be better and hold them to a higher standard and not let it get swept under the rug, not let it get pushed to hushed whispers and, and, you know, things that are not proper to be said out loud. You know, for all the ills of social media, uh, there's there's some good stuff that happens when you can amplify something and spread the word pretty dang quick uh, when somebody really does something awful. Um, Imagine if back in, like, 2008, the people who were being named had been dealt with. I keep coming back to, like, this concept of if it was more expensive for the corporation to allow this to occur mm-hmm. than it is for them to, you know what I mean? I mean, if, if, if action didn't, if they, if they not taking action affected their bottom line, they do it immediately. Yeah. And we have to make it so that that is actually clear to them that they cannot just, if they try and sweep it under the rug, they're going to hurt themselves. And cause, cause they have, but they got away with it cause they was, you know, they're short sighted and they only see the immediate bottom line. They didn't see that a decade you know, and a half down the road, you're going to have a like an implosion because this stuff isn't. You can't permanently do this. You, mm-hmm. Eventually, people just get to the point where it's too much. Uh, outside forces will investigate. You will eventually be brought to account. And I really do feel like it's very, very important that we not get distracted by things that are designed to distract us um, or designed to mollify us. When when somebody, you know, it's it's like offering you a cookie when what you asked for was, you know, a fire extinguisher. You know, we want you to put out the fire. We don't care how nice that cookie is. We don't care, you know, ooh, you you got rid of, you know, you got rid of somebody who may or may not have been aware of what was going on. Great. How about fixing what's going mm-hmm. on? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, or as Liz said before, they've they made a list of demands. You haven't even addressed them. You haven't even like mentioned them to your to your shareholders. Keep calling that you're, out. You're, you're at this big shareholder meeting and you don't tell the shareholders anything i I just yeah there's and there's a lot more to this there's a lot to say and i'm gonna let joe talk i was just just, gonna say i I keep coming i keep coming back to that there are two things i would like to to just kind of bring up from chat uh a first time chatter hawkster uh there's gonna be people that are diehard and defend blizzard and try to say that this is all fake and made up yeah that's welcome to the last six years that's just kind of a thing we have to deal with now. And to uh, Lyra's point, we just have to be louder and just understand that we are going to have to deal with those those people that are going to say that. Because there's always going to be people that try to deny the truth of whatever the situation is that's going on. And uh, Griffey pointed out that it will be a tiring thing. This will be exhausting. But if we want it to be better, this is what has to be done. And we need to keep going. It's also like another aspect to this that I I don't I hesitate to bring up, but I'm going to mention it. There are people who are going to use this for their own rhetorical purposes rather than to actually try and make positive change. Um, a lot of the people who went after Brack went after Brack not because of his involvement in this, but because he wasn't doing WoW the right way in their opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be people who, who go on their internet platform, to, who do various things, to use this to promote themselves. And there is nothing you can do to stop them. All you can do is ignore them. That's it. 
unfortunately. Be careful of people who make it about them instead of about the people who are actually working there. It is always most important that the people, you know, find the people who are working there, find the people who are telling you, okay, we, you know, this is what we're going through. This is what we need. Listen to them. And then, you know, work from there. Don't, somebody who doesn't work there and has no real skin in the game is telling you do X and people who are working there say, please don't do X. Please, please don't. It will, it will make things worse for us. Listen to the people you're gonna who are actually gonna get up. That's that's my last statement on this one. Do you do we have time for the last email, which is nothing about this, or do we want to <laughs> stop here? Uh, we have about ten minutes left, so if we want to, we can do. It. I say let's do the last email, so let's, we can get on something else. Yeah, let's let's end. But, on but, but I do want to say Liz is absolutely right that we can't shut up. Mm-hmm. We can't because because I'll be honest, I don't want to talk about this. I don't like talking about it. I don't like having to say things like this about a company that has been a big part of my life for the past 14 years or however long I've been working on this. I think 2007 was when I started. So, yeah, I don't like this, but that my comfort is meaningless. You know, it, it is not important that I feel good about things right now. It is important that we help the people who are, who are making these games for us. The people who actually created the experiences that we've enjoyed that have enriched our lives. They're the people we have to look for here. I would agree. Um, Liz, since I read the last one, do you want to read uh, question number one from the, the, the last section here? Sure, sure. Greetings, watchers. I've got some new questions for you. Question one, what smaller villain do you think had the most interesting story and or potential to become a world threat? World, I think he wrote world treat, but I'm going to assume that's world threat. I think it was world treat. Well, I mean, <laughs> the two, the two oh, don't need to be mutually thing. exclusive. I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> and question two, from all the Warcraft books I read, Storm Rage was one of the most weird. The story contents could easily be worked to become a full expansion on its own, or at least one big content patch. I don't remember it even being written, mentioned in game. Did I miss something? If you were designing it, how would you transcribe the book events to in-game content? Keep up this awesome podcast. Regards, Mahara Silverspring, Undead Priest, Agra, you. So that's a lot of questions crammed so, into this one question. Start with the first one. Let's keep it simple. Is there a smaller uh, villain that what, you think had the most interesting story? Um, You know, I'm going to go back to Hearthstone again, which had this whole story arc with Rafam, who is... Um, Oh man, I'm blanking. What are those from Burning Crusade? Ethereals? Ethereals? Were they Ethereals? Yes. He's an Ethereal and he decides he wants to be like rich and powerful. And his idea is we're going to steal Dalaran and we're going to like hold Dalaran hostage. And we're going to, that's how I'm going to become rich and powerful in all of this. And it's just like a lot of original Hearthstone stories. It's so wacky. And I'd kind of, I'd enjoy seeing, I really, you're going to notice this is a theme with me. There's some of the wacky stuff in Hearthstone that I really wish would carry over into World of Warcraft because it's, it's fun sometimes. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to vote Rafam because he's just weird. He's a weird villain and you kind of hate what he's doing, but you also, he's also kind of adorable and, uh, frequently he sings in cinematics. <laughs> Singing's always. I good. mean, what's what's not to love except for the part about he attached rockets to Dalaran and just kind of flew off with it. 
Eh, it's a viable plan if you have the rockets, I think, personally. I'm not going to crash on the plan. <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if Matt can pick who what what small villain I would go for. Who do you think I would pick, Matt? I've talked about it before. Uh, no, I have no idea. <laughs> Vanessa Van Cleef. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've done this a few times, but like I I still think she was one of the potentially most interesting villainous characters that they've ever had that didn't well, get to I do mean, nearly enough with. I was. I was about to do a whole thing about how she should come back and infiltrate Stormwind under a cover identity and get herself into the running of possible future wife of Anduin mm-hmm, Ren. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, then, you know, once she married him, she'd murder him and become queen and rule with an iron fist, things like that. And then, you know, maybe because Anduin is such a little freaking ball of sunshine, she'd be like, I don't, uh, I don't really feel like murdering him. I guess I'll let him live. Turns out he's not bad. Hmm. But I'll put him in the prison and then I'll just, you know, I feel like it would be like kicking a puppy to murder this guy. It just, you know. Yeah, but that would be. I definitely would like to see Vanessa Vinkley. But since you took her, I'll come up with somebody else while you talk about it more. Go. <laughs> no, I mean, just seriously, it's one of those things where I think she had one of the more interesting villainous sort of like uh, origin stories. Like everything that happened with her dad, everything that happened with the Defias Brotherhood and seeing her dad basically murdered in front of her, set her on this path of, of retribution. Um, it's, it's kind of cliche, but also like really well done in regards to her, as far as I'm concerned, because like her motivation, I can't find fault with it. And that's one of the things I like about her is that like, I can absolutely empathize with where she's at and what she technically wants out of this. And I would have loved to have seen her given more time to sort of do that. It's, I would have just loved to see what she would have done given more resources, more time, uh, and just more leeway to to scheme long term before adventurers went and kind of cut that short so yeah go ahead matt okay my backup (laughs) is azuka blade fury (laughs) okay uh one of the one of the things i actually really liked leveling in in warlords of draenor i thought it was really really excellently done my problem with warlords of draenor was simply that it felt like it just it, it it hit a wall in the middle of its run like, it just stopped happening. Like, there was no development happening or whatever. I, I don't know. But I liked leveling. I liked the story of the expansion for the most part. Um, and I really liked Azuka Blade Fury because she was a new character as far as we were concerned. We'd never seen her before. We knew about the Blade Fury clan and all that stuff, but we'd never seen Azuka. And in an in the boys' trip, that was Warlords of Draenor. And, you know, got some serious problems with that. Azuka's the only woman who you could call a warlord of Draenor. The only one. There's there's nobody else. Uh, And it was such a missed opportunity with her to make her more important than she, than she was given the opportunity to be to like really have this new character come forth, especially as old stalwarts were getting taken out, you know, like uh, good old black hand got taken out. There's room for her to move up. There was room for her to like, you know, become a major threat. And then they did the whole thing with the Maghar coming to the Horde in in in, in Battle for Azeroth, and I'm like, I so want a, like a the you know this there's the the portal that they're all coming through, and this like one orc slips through it, and this this older orc lady with like you know super long gray hair, and then she throws off her cloak, and she's Azuka Blade Fury, and she literally carves her way out of Orgrimmar and runs off to do whatever evil she's gonna do, and you know. Azuka wasn't evil in in the 
in Warlord, she was just, you know, driven and focused. She wanted to make her clan powerful, and she thought in terms of her clan. And now, loose on a new world where she doesn't have any ties, what does she do? Mm-hmm. Like, how does she, does she go and find, like, the various peoples who have been, like, you know, dis- disenfranchised by the Horde and Alliance? Like, you know, does she go to Black Rock Mountain and find those guys and be like, you know, hey, that Garage guy failed you, but I'm here now. You know, what is she? what does she do? Where does she go? And it'd be really nice to get, like, a straight-up an orc antagonist who's not a villain and isn't like out to destroy anybody, but is out for like herself and the people she considers her people. And kind of like a mirror to the way Garage was, but someone who's actually competent at that aspect of it. Competent Garage was very good at certain things. He was very good at tactics. He loved surprise attacks. Strong, fearsome, great warrior. But he was not good at motivating people to follow him. He wasn't good at building loyalty. I mean, he had a civil war in the middle of his big push to to make the Horde the dominant power in Azeroth. He ended up with like half of the Horde defecting. So somebody who could actually get people to follow her, somebody who actually had that strength and and for it to be finally like, you know, like a woman who's not like portrayed as, you know, she's going mad with grief or her, you know, her, her, her emotions have taken her over, but just straight up. I want to. I want to rule because I, I. I'm the strongest, and I want to be in charge. None of this, you know. Oh, you know, maddened by grief. Nope. I just want to be in charge. I, I just. I really would like to see more of that. And, and just, it was a character that I felt like, my God, they dropped the ball. It could have been so cool, and, and nothing. Didn't didn't get anything from it. Although I think that's going to do us on time. I think we're going to have to save question two for of that for uh, the next podcast recording. Who knows? I might even steal it for Laura Watch. Feel free. <laughs> I don't think. I think this email was one that didn't say where it was for. So yeah, so we can split the difference. Uh, but Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at Patreon.com/slash/BlizzardWatch. Your continued support means this podcast slate and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast. Better chance of having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Oh, oh, wow, Liz! Huh? You just made me remember my 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 other thing. I always wanted them to do. <laughs> I want Gadget Zan from Hearthstone in WoW. Oh yes, yes, that too, that too. But that's going to be it for the show tonight, guys. Uh, thank you to Liz and Joe for being here, of course, uh, and thank you to everybody for listening with us. Um, This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Uh, Thanks, everybody, and we'll be back next week.